0: thing is, is not everybody sees the target in the same way right some people are the aim small miss call some people are seeing a much bigger zone like i train a lot of my intuitive players with like field goals um i'll put like two poles out there
1: and welcome aboard another par train podcast i'm one of your co-hosts evan singer i got my partner in crime here across from me on the interwebs Mr. Matt Cermak.
2: What's up, Ev?
1: Welcome aboard another train, sir. Good to always be here. In case you guys are new, welcome aboard. Our mission on the part train is to help frustrated golfers, maybe like you, enjoy the ride again on and off the course. And we believe that if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. We interview PGA Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, mental coaches, everyday golfers like you and me and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy, help you get out of your own way, shoot your lowest scores, and enjoy the ride. Just making the mental game more relatable, accessible. And this episode is a perfect example of that with Kyle Aldrink. But before we get Mm -hmm. to that, quick word from our friends at Roback Performance Apparel. Sir, I was thinking about this in my walk this morning. I think there is a paradigm shift happening in people today, right? Coming in this COVID, this two year COVID thing, we've been either, you either found athleisure wear or you double down on it. Yeah. Right? Either you're on a lot of Zooms and you realize everything I wear should be soft. It should be stretchy. It should be comfortable, right? And now I think people aren't just going to go back. If you're going out more, if you're going back to work or whatever it is, you're not going to go back to the same stiff, cheap stuff. Right? You want to wear comfortable stuff that you can wear in multiple occasions. And I think that's what Rowback is. You wear your Q-zip for work, you can wear a, polo, a yeah. golf polo underneath it, a vest, you can layer it, and you can wear a performance t shirt and a hoodie at home, hanging out, you know, or working out. It's the perfect, versatile brand. And one thing before you jump in, sir, is I think now going into the holidays, holiday season, um, our link's gonna get you 15% off. I think athleisure is also the best gift because yeah. sometimes you might feel a little guilty about spending good money on a hoodie or a performance tee or a polo, right? But when someone gets it for you or you get it for someone else, it's the best gift because you're gonna wear it in so many situations and it's so comfortable and it looks good.
2: That's the key. Not only is it comfortable, it looks good, right? Yeah. Whether you're working, let's say you're working in the creative marketing tech world, a little more casual on your Zooms, Mm -hmm. you go with the hoodie, right? It's yep. a great hoodie. You're working more of a finance setting, and it's a little gotten more casual in the office. Pullover, Q zip, golf yeah. shirt, vest. Yeah. Like it's they they bridge the gap in this athleisure mm-hmm. wear. So, but we're running out of time with the holidays. You got to get these gifts, Ev.
1: Yeah, you, you got to get them now because they're stuff. Got go to go Yeah,
2: and
1: you know what, supply chain. You don't want to leave it up to fast shipping. You want to get it early. You want to get it now. So go to the link in our show notes for this episode. Tap that link, you'll get 15% off your first order, Robac. If you can't find that, just check us out on Instagram or Twitter or TikTok. It's always in our bio there. And it uh, just says get 15% off your Robac shirt or whatever you want to get. And you can get it there. So thanks to the Robac team. And hopefully you guys get yourself some comfortable, good-looking performance wear. I mean, what Look could be better? Good, feel
2: good, play good. You know? Yeah.
1: Well... You know, Serm, you kind of had a great segue without even realizing it because you kind of created these little personas of people that might buy different types of roback, whether you're a marketing or tech person or whether you're a finance person. I think that actually funnels well into this episode today, right? It's not necessarily occupational stuff, but it's personality driven. And Kyle Alderink um, is the operating partner and head mental game performance coach of Mental Golf Type. And essentially, he was recognized as a top teacher under 40 in America by Golf Digest, also listed as top teacher in Illinois, and a top 25 teacher in the Golf Academy of America. So clearly the guy, he's also a successful junior player, played in college like you, sir. great coach. But what I think is really interesting about this episode is um, they actually took common principles that I've seen used in the workplace in regards to understanding personality types and they connect that through their free quiz on mentalgolftype.com to help you understand how that funnels into the type of golfer you are mentally, right? So some things that we've talked about in the show, we've seen it connect with thousands of golfers, yep. right? But what's really interesting about this conversation it is, is it made us take a step back, especially me as a coach. like We might have been preaching just what was working for us historically but there might be other personality types out there that it might not connect with. And so this episode yeah. was a great opportunity to break down the different personality types and how you change your mental approach based on what personality type you are.
2: Yeah, we both took the assessment too. We were, we were, you and I were similar, but a little different, Yep. right? And I, I would encourage everybody to go, go to their website and take the assessment. And the whole time I was, talking with kyle we could have gone for two hours we always say that but
1: yeah
2: very passionate about the mental game and i think back to like if i was in college or you know too often times like you know your swing coach you're working with your swing coach and you're working on your swing when because mm-hmm. that's what you pay him to do but hey what about that what's going on in your mind right and so he's a great swing coach and he's a mental coach and he bridges the gap with his students He's got, he's got tour players. He's got some of the best junior players. Um, I think everybody, all our listeners, you need to understand who you are mentally. Who is what is your personality mentally on the golf course? And it could be a lot different <laughs> than what it is in your everyday life. Mm-hmm. And it, there could be good things about it, bad things about it, vice versa. So I think this is, I don't want to say groundbreaking, Ev, but this is the direction golf coaching needs to go, I yeah. think. Yeah. So fascinating interview. Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
1: I agree with everything you just said. And the last thing I'll say before we get people to this interview is definitely stay to the end. And I know we say that a lot, but specifically with this episode, we start off and it's very much extrovert versus introvert conversation. And towards the end, we get to my favorite part of the interview, which was going into the other categories that you may not be familiar with and giving kyle a very common scenario like there's ob right off the tee for a guy who slices it
2: yeah. right
1: and understand how he would coach like a thinker versus a feeler or a jugger versus a perceiver or a sensor versus an intuitive and his different answers to that i think really hits home and if you're one of those folks it shows how you can handle different scenarios based on your personality. So to me, that's what I thought to be most helpful and interesting. And that's at the very end. So make sure you guys stay in the end. Anything you want to add before we get them to this interview, sir?
2: No, I just, it, it's, it's fun. The kind of work that they're, they're doing and we're doing and to have these conversations, I, I think we're, I think it's, it's, it's so vital for the, uh, for the golf world the amateur golf world. So yeah. you're going to love this one, guys.
1: Yeah. And on that point, maybe we'll collaborate more absolutely Integrate this stuff into more of our our content and our teachings cool well thank you guys as always for hopping aboard if you're finding any value from what we're doing give us a follow at the Partrain train instagram twitter tiktok are the main three for us yes Um, might get into youtube in 2022
2: i'll see a little buzz
1: um and uh most of all if we've helped you in your game share it with a friend and give us a review on apple podcasts that helps us out the most it helps other people see your story and it helps us rise. Some
2: really nice reviews coming in on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Really
1: appreciate it. So we appreciate that, that yeah. review. Keep them coming if you haven't already. And uh, no matter what personality type you are, no matter whether you're extrovert or an introvert, sensor or an intuitive, thinker or feeler, judge or perceiver, if you hit one bad, if you're not feeling great, what do they got to do, sir, to get back in a neutral?
2: Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take
1: care. Kyle Alderink, it is my pleasure to say welcome aboard the par train we're glad to have you
0: i appreciate it very crisp with the name pronunciation
1: <laughs> well you know after you get the name wrong off air you got to make sure <laughs> on air it's nice and crisp and solid so we're excited to have you
0: no it's great i'm pumped to be here man I, like i told you i love what you guys are doing and uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here and to add to the conversation
1: for sure well this is unlike any other episode because Cerm is having technical difficulties and might pop in at any time. So it's going to be exciting. We never know if he's going to make it, when he's going to make it. But I think that'll add some excitement. Speaking of the devil, here he is. Let's see if we can get him in. Um, so Kyle, uh, it's so funny. This morning, I was telling my fiance about this stuff. And I told her, you know, Tara, you've got to be a judger based on, you know, the personality assessment. And we'll go into all the different things. Parts of it, but she's a planner, type A, everything's in order. You should see our fridge. Our fridge is like the greatest thing. Everything's got bins and it's organized. And she laughs and she goes, I don't want to be a jugger. That sounds awful.
0: <laughs> but uh, Very relatable. Uh, my wife is definitely the J and the very structured planner. Uh, I mean, if we go on a trip months in advance, that thing will be planned out. But yeah, it's interesting how, how the facets are labeled. Um, But yeah, I mean, but yeah, we can definitely go into into a little more of that.
1: I wanted to start off with just I'm fascinated by here's Cermak. Here we go.
2: Hey guys, talk about this, man. Technical difficulties.
1: No worries. I'm fascinated by personality, Kyle, and we're gonna go pretty deep. But I wanted to know from you to start. Can personality change? Because everything we do is making the mental game more relatable, allowing people to grow and evolve, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So are we growing? despite our personality staying the same, or can personalities actually shift?
0: Well, it's an interesting question. So personality type um, is pretty much baked into us, into our what we call our hardwiring from birth, just kind of like dexterity. Now, the thing is though, and this is where some of these things can have a little bit of a negative connotation or almost try to get debunked a little, is that there's the difference between learned behavior and natural behaviors. So we have a dominant kind of facet, you know, like we're either dominant extrovert or dominant introvert. Um, We can learn to do others. So like you were alluding to the judger. I mean, everybody in society is taught to try to be a Judger. you know, try to be structured and scheduled. And, you know, and if you go into the corporate world and you take that personality assessment, everybody answers as that because they think they're not going to get the job if they don't, you know, who's going to answer that I'm I'm spontaneous and procrastinating and, and things like that? Um, so there's definitely, um, we can learn these things and to give you an example of that, like, and this is kind of part of my personality type, which, which we'll, again, we're going to go deeper into, but you know, I got really bored practicing when I was younger. Like I just couldn't stand on the range for a little long. Like I, I like to bounce all over the place. So I got bored and it kind of sparks me. I was like, started to do trouble shots. Like that was fun for me, creating shots, hitting on divots. And I was like, well, if I get by a tree, what about flipping my club over and hitting it left-handed? Well, so I started hitting left handed. Oh, the club upside down. And, you know, I worked at a driving range. So I would clear balls off at the end of the night off the tee. And we had a lefty club in there. So I went out and started actually swinging lefty and made good contact with a few. Well, that was fun. So I kept doing it. And I actually got really good to the point where I could break 80 playing lefty and started playing people for money and stuff. But, <laughs> Um so that's like a good example like I learned to do things left-handed I learned to hit in baseball left-handed I learned to shoot a basketball left-handed but I'm always more dominant right-handed and when pressure comes down on me I'm always going to perform better right-handed even if I can do similar things in practice like the level of stress and the level of my mind has to work trying to do things left-handed was always uh, harder I mean that's why you see guys always going to their dominant hand at crunch time in basketball you know they always shoot with their more dominant hand in most every scenario because it's more reliable, it's more trustworthy.
1: Just same things like
0: the facets of our personality and how these actually tie into performance is really, really fascinating.
1: Yeah. And I'm curious of like where personality seems to be almost this like mysterious thing, too. Right. Cause we, I think we all know people, or maybe even us, where I've got a niece or a soon to be niece. My fiance and I are getting married next year, but um, my soon to be niece, both her parents are super quiet and reserved and this girl came out of the womb and she just takes control of the room, right? Like this girl never stops. Motor mouth, she is directing you on what to do at five years old, right? And people ask, where did she come from, right? <laughs> and so I think that is really fascinating. I don't know if we necessarily need to get into all of the science, but I am curious of like, you can give any context on how we even get personalities, right? And a lot of people say that you can see the personality within like a six month old. It's usually the personality that sticks.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, because that's, their more natural. They haven't learned to do things a certain way just yet. And um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because there's no real link that, that at least I know of, um, And I'm still researching and learning. My partner, John's been in this for a lot longer than I have. He's, he's the creator of this, but um, there's no real link to like genetics, you know. Like it's not like oh your your dad's an ENFP, you're a good chance to be an ENFP. Like it's just it's just kind of <laughs> like the roll of the dice. It seems like. Um, and again, I could be dead wrong on the complete background science of that. But what I do know is again how these facets are wired in and and just what they look like. Um, and the the real fascinating thing about this and you know with mental golf type is the link that you know my partner John's made and mental golf type to stress and really what breaks performance down and how these things can put people to an optimal state of mind is interesting. It's, it's fascinating and I see it on a daily basis and done years of folks fan testing with it. And I mean, it's crazy, dude. Um, and it's just the fascinating thing is it's, it's really predictable. But yeah, so in terms of, you know, the just where it comes from, I don't know if I have a great answer on that one, but I can yeah. definitely keep researching and try to get back to you on it.
1: Yeah, it might be one of those mysterious things, right? And so, <laughs> I why don't we do this? Cerm, I know you want to dig in. Um, I want Kyle to maybe start, though, by at least outlining, give people the foundation, right? Because mm-hmm. I know we're going to talk a lot about, I took the assessment, Cerm took the assessment, Kyle, we can go into yours. I really want to use our personal experiences and what our personality types are to then unpack very common situations so pe- we can make this... Um, a tactical conversation that people can then apply to their game. Mm -hmm. So let's at least start with what this thing is, how you guys started it, um, and your partner started it, and then go through the options of what these different people are. And then we'll talk about who we are.
0: Sure. Yeah, I mean, the short background is so, you know, John Weir, um, you know, he's been studying psychology, um, personality type for for a long, long time. And You know, he started to see these links um, when he was working with players and just how this was all kind of applying in their language, how it was applying in the game. But what he really started to notice was these predictable patterns people would do, um, which I'll explain in in a minute. So, again, he started testing and testing and testing all his research. um, And then he started bringing this into his, you know, actual, like he was working at Mike Bender's Academy in Florida. You guys are familiar with Bender. Uh, and that's how I got to know John is, you know, I was having dinner with Mike one night when he was in Chicago for a teaching summit. And I was telling him about what I was doing. And, you know, just quick about me, like I was like everybody, I was just the swing, the swing, the swing, that's all I knew. I, that's what I thought performance was. I mean, I put every chip I had into learning swing mechanics and studying, you know, the body and, uh, bi- you know, biodynamics and all these things. Um, and I started talking to Mike and I was like, dude, I just, you know, there's more to this, you know, and I was starting to read, you know, mental game books. I read everything I could get my hand on. I'm like, I, I think there's just a lot more to this. You know, I was having that revelation and he's like, you got to talk to John Weir because what he's doing is groundbreaking. I didn't even hesitate. I think I emailed him right at dinner there. Yeah, was it's like, you know, look, can we, can we chat? And so John and I formed a really great relationship over the years. And he started to introduce these things to me. And, and it was interesting because I would just call him and, and pester him and be like, I just saw this in this player. This is, this is crazy. And he, and he would kind of explain, i like, Oh my God, dude. like, I hate to admit this, but there's some people I led down the wrong road because essentially what I was trying to do is teach everybody to do what I did. You know, mm-hmm. like the stuff I read in a book that I was like, this works great. This puts me at ease. Like I perform well in this. Um, but what I quickly started to realize is the stuff that worked for me wasn't working for close to 75% of the population. Um, and that was a hard pill to swallow. So, you know, like anything though, you hear a new concept and you're like, that's fascinating. But you know, I don't dare bring this into what I'm doing until I like extensively test this and make sure I know what the hell I'm talking about. Um so I don't know if you guys are familiar with focus band, but I have a focus band and I started just putting players on it and kind of suddenly introducing some different concepts. Um, that are very contradictory to what i was doing and i started seeing this thing light up green and i was just like oh my gosh like this is just crazy
2: <laughs> i'm not as familiar with focus band i want to just elaborate a little bit more on that yeah
0: yeah so focus band is a so jason day kind of made this thing famous years ago um it's a consumer way of basically measuring brain waves it's just a little headband that has these sensors on there it's like and, NeuroPeak, bro um yeah, so I mean, we we basically just believe it's measuring alpha waves and beta waves. So we yeah. just measure when you know the mind is very active versus when it's into a very relaxed state of awareness. So yeah. just a quick, so your users know alpha brain waves would be like when you're sleeping. That's the most relaxed rhythm, um, and when we're at a, like a relaxed state of awareness is really where the zone is. That's where our most optimal is. The brain is very calm. It doesn't have a lot of clutter, a lot of activity, so it can clearly process everything you're trying to do work from the subconscious where beta waves are when we're actively scanning and we're processing a lot, you know, so the more beta waves and the more rhythm there is essentially the more things can get jacked up, like trying to run down a flight of stairs and think about how your knees move. So essentially the focus band just is something that helps us understand that. So it gives us this, like, you know, when you're in a green mode, it can go into a very deep green mode. It kind of measures again, what they call a quiet eye, which is like just really in relaxed rhythms versus you can tell when a player is very active, analytical um, type thing. So we could use this to start to see these different um, concepts that we're introducing to players and how different people were red versus green. The stuff that I thought would put somebody into that calm state of awareness every time was keeping most players in the red. Um, So in a couple of those things, so when you ask for the framework, I mean, essentially there's four major facets that apply. To our personality so there's our energy source and basically how we organize thoughts which is our extrovert introvert and i I want to go a little deeper into that one in just a second because that that one's not terribly understood in, in my opinion there's what's called sensing and intuition which is our perception and focus so it's kind of how we see the world that's how we organize details um type thing how we focus our mind And then there's uh, thinking and feeling, which is our evaluation, basically how we make decisions confidently. And then there's, you were talking about the judging, that's our structure. That's how we like to manage our days. It's like how we structure information um, and how we do that, where we kind of put ourselves at ease. So real quick rundown on that. So like energy and the extrovert introvert is a very fascinating one to me because essentially we just allude to it, like talking or not talking, but You know, there's extroverts that are shy and just don't talk. But what that really is, you can probably see as I get going, like it's our energy. So when extroverts get more external and they get around people um, and they do things externally, even just singing, humming, whatever it is, they get a lot more energized. People used to ask me all the time how I could stand on on the T and give lessons for 11 hours a day for six days a week. I'm like, well, cause I'm just out there. I'm doing my thing. I'm talking. And like, I'm just like, I'm getting pumped up through the day. But when I go home, I would just crash. Like as soon as I would sit on the couch and just chill and it would just be like, you know, <laughs> but yeah. if I continue to go, I can, I can literally go all day. It's my battery. Um, but it's also the crazy thing is, is this how we organize our thoughts? Extroverts are really good when they talk their thoughts out loud. Like everything gets clear you when know, they can bounce ideas off of people. So in a golf world, like an extrovert just talking their shot out, like gives them an extremely more likelihood of it happening. And it's almost spooky. And I got some crazy stories on that
2: one. It's so fascinating because in like my professional life, anytime I talk something out with a coworker, for example, it's a win. And when I'm on the golf course, when I vocalize, it's a win. But sometimes I don't always do it on the course. You know, just, you forget to do it, but, and that's happened a lot in the last year for me, those correlations, it's just fascinating. Well, it's
0: it's interesting too, um, because golf is like a more of a quiet sport, we'll call it. So everybody thinks they're going to look nutty if they're out there, like, unless you have a caddy, right? Right. Unless you have a caddy. (laughs) So, and I I try to tell people, look, is it that crazy if you're just like, all right, I'm going to start left at that tree and fade Like, it doesn't look that crazy, but everybody thinks they're going to look (laughs) nutsoids out there just (laughs) talking a shot out. Um, But, and again, so like introverts work kind of opposite. You know, they actually charge their batteries by being more reserved and internal. But introverts can talk a lot. I have, some, I have a bunch of students that are introverts that nobody would ever guess it because they can just chat all day, but they also will just kind of go off and just chill for a little bit to recharge. But when they need to make decisions and they have to think information out, they do it more internally. The more they're forced to be kind of talking out loud, the more cluttered it gets and it's crazy because i got all this as i was doing my testing i got a bunch of this on video with players with the focus band doing these experiments and seeing the difference between extroverts and introverts is crazy so like this one i have and i actually have a little just youtube show i do for fun but um the first one i did was with uh this girl who plays on the symmetric tour test and she is i mean as expert as you get she literally says in the show like i could talk to a brick wall and I had her just as an experiment. I said, all right, on video, like I want you to just stay quiet for three shots. You can't say a word before, during, after through all three. By the third one, I think she had a foot behind the ball, like couldn't even hit the ball. <laughs> and I asked her, I was like, how did that feel? And she just exploded. She's just like, oh, my God, I just was. Da, 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 da. Um, it's fascinating. I mean, my video's out there to see, but I did that exact same thing with an introvert made her kind of talk everything out. And she just was like, she's like, I can't, like, I'm just so, I don't even know what I'm thinking about at this point. <laughs> um, so again, just those like, that's where I got so excited about all this is just doing these different things and seeing how different people were operating was just crazy. But like that one, which would seem to be the almost the least relevant out of, the, out of those has one of the biggest impacts that I've seen with players. And um, just one more example is, you know, I've, I caddied as much as i can you know i'm busy but so like if i have a student that's playing in a tournament you know i try to caddy for somebody at least once a year just to help them go through some of this stuff and um so i have a this 13 year old girl that i kind of just started working with when i was out here it's already a good player but i started training her on some of these things and uh, her dad asked me to caddy for the u.s junior girls qualifier and she's again she's 13 playing against some 18 year olds and Yada, yada. And I mean, I get to the range. I was a little, little late. So she was just getting done with her warm up and hitting it terrible. It's like, this is going to be interesting. And she's flustered. What am I doing wrong? And I just kind of smiled and just, you know, can you hit your high draw? Yada, yada. Got her just kind of calming down a little. And we go out there. She has a pretty good start. And she ends up just one triple, three birdies, shooting par, getting into a playoff, and then went two under and three holes in a playoff to qualify. And her, dad, her dad's just like, the oh. text I got when I turned my phone back off was hilarious. I can't repeat it on your show, probably. But he's just like, what the? <laughs> right, like, nobody so. really expected that. <laughs> yeah. But um, just stuff like that. And he was just like, what? And I just, I said, all I did, dude, is I just had her talk out her shot very clearly. We Just make smart decisions and talked out her shot. I mean, did I really expect that to happen? No, but she showed a lot of maturity, especially after the triple of staying on point. I said, hey, let's just get back. What's your shot right here? And then she got right back on cue, made some putts along the way. And it was, it was impressive. But, um, so, and again, that's with me being there all day, like reminding her though, I mean, this is a, this is a skill at the end of the day that people still got to learn how to do and still how to kind of master it. And, um, sometimes our minds works against us because of stress and threats and things like that. But, um, so I thought that was interesting. So I was long winded there.
1: No, I think to me, one of the best takeaways there is reminding ourselves like we talk about vocalization a lot right but Sermac and I are both extroverts right <laughs> so it's it's rooting ourselves in the learning that yeah that works great for us but that might not work great for everyone and so the level of we talk a lot about Kyle understanding your tendencies because without awareness of what you do and where you struggle you can't make changes right otherwise you're floating in this abyss right so i think that's why this i buy into this stuff so much because i've seen it work i've led trainings on it in the corporate world and we can go into that but understanding how you are wired helps us understand how to navigate things in stress in threats so, I think that's a good example. I will ask you this, Kyle, really quick, because I know Sir wants to jump in. For the introvert, is it silent vocalization then? Is it thinking, still thinking about what they're doing? Obviously, that's still important, but they don't get as much from the out loud. Is that the case?
0: Yes. Um, so, introverts, you know, they can still vocalize some things and be okay with it um and again it goes deeper like you know there's a difference between like an intj versus istj um so it's it's not necessarily saying introverts need to be internal however they do typically organize their thoughts a lot better internally um they do they're the ones that do well with like if a caddy is kind of giving them information and then they're just processing it Hmm. um but I'll give you kind of a a dark side of that. The other side with the introvert, because, you know, I did the same thing. Like I would always want people to talk out and it would drive me crazy with an introvert lesson because I would see, like, I never understood it back then. I knew something was going on until John explained it to me, but you know, I would have an introvert and I would give them information and they would kind of sit there for a little bit process processing it. And I I don't know if you guys are the same as me as an extrovert, but I can't stand that silence. So I'm like, just trying to jump in. but I started to learn that's what's going on is they're they're processing that information so they can process that and then kind of, you know, then come to a conclusion and, and speak. So it's not just like they always got to be quiet, but so real quick. So in when COVID struck and college golf kind of resumed, they did this thing where everybody on the team played in the same group to kind of limit exposure. So I had a kid who plays a, a big D1 school. I don't want to call any names out here, so I'm just going to keep the names out, but and so they're playing in these fivesomes and the coach is in the group so every shot he was doing that with his players like hey walk over let's talk this shot out yeah yada, yada. this kid is somebody who averages uh he was averaging like 73.7 at the time and that round um i think he shot like an 85 or 86 i'll have to go back and fact check that but it was somewhere in that mid to high 80s and something just like, whoa, completely out of the norm. And he is somebody who in, you know, we'll get deeper into what happens with stress, but introverts tend to lash out when they're upset. So he lashes out and his coach and him getting a blow off fight. And the coach got a little bit kind of butthurt about it. So he didn't say a word to him the next day, let him just kind of do his own thing. They just kind of stayed on separate side of the fairways and he shot at 67. So, I mean, it's just like, but those are the, the things that blow my mind, though, is, like, we would never, ever think to link that before this. Or at least I would. Like, I would have never been like, whoa, he's talking versus not talking. You know, yeah. I was having a conversation with uh, one of my college players the other day, and she, she was, had a really good season, but she would just kind of have this, like, 71, 70, 76. Like, there was just always that one little outlier that was just kind of harming her finishes in tournaments. And we were just kind of talking. I was like, are you, are you chatting in these tournaments? like in those rounds are you thinking about that she's like i don't know i gotta i gotta spend some time to think about it and she started kind of reflecting she's like yeah she's like you know what like some of those rounds i'm playing in groups that just don't say a word so it's just like that recognition of an awareness of these things that you know if you have a group that doesn't talk and you're an extrovert well i'm talking to myself or i'm humming songs or i'm doing something to to do that but i can tell you definitively in my playing career my best rounds were always when I had a group of people I liked to talk to. I was smiling. I was laughing and I came from the tiger woods era. So I tried best I could to have that intense stare, that intense focus. I mean, tiger, we speculated, or I speculated ways, ISTJ, which is complete opposite of me. So everything I try to do when I try to emulate tiger, like it just wasn't good. Like I, I was just going this like almost quicksand of mental strain, trying to just, you know, do that. Like I got to be quiet. I got to be, you know, tough. I got to have a stare, you know, I got to hold my hands over the brim of my hat (laughs) and narrow my perception, which again is not good for me. Um, and like, again, just all these things kind of started rushing in over the, over the years when I started learning these things, it's like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Well, this makes a lot of sense. And, um, like I said, it's kind of crazy.
1: All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors, and then we'll get you right back to the show. Do you guys like golf? I'm going to assume you're listening to this show you like the game of golf and you know with the holiday season coming up what better gift to either receive or give than golf clubs right and you may not even need a new set maybe you just want a new driver maybe you want some new wedges maybe you want new irons but sticks golf if you guys can believe it i know we've talked about them before an entire set 14 club set brand new bag head covers putter the whole gambit Is almost as much money as a single driver so if a brand new driver these days is 600 bucks you get a custom shaft you're looking into 800 bucks sticks golf clubs we can get you a full 14 club set for under a thousand bucks and luckily because we're friends with sticks we have a special code for you guys called par train holiday Enter the code PARTRAINHOLIDAY, all one word, for 20% off valid through December 31st. Now, with supply chain stuff and, and shipping and all that stuff, you're going to want to get this order in ASAP to make sure it's there on time. So just go to sticksgolf.co slash and get yourself 20% off using the code PARTRAINHOLIDAY to get yourself the best gift for either of yourself or someone else. Now, if you don't know a lot about Sticks Golf Clubs, look, I've worked in the golf industry. I help people get their sets of clubs, and I will tell you, I've hit them many times. I got my fiance a set, and she absolutely loves them. She smokes them. I smoke them. They're an incredible set of clubs. It's everything you need, all the technology you need, none of what you don't. So You're going to pay half the price, probably more than that, than regular manufacturer clubs. They're matte black. They're beautiful clubs. Um, but you're going to get a brand new set. You don't have to worry about what brand to get this, one brand to get that. Just a one-stop shop. You can customize your clubs based on your height, your skill level. And their website makes it really easy to figure out what type of clubs to get, either yourself or a loved one. So, again, go to sticksgolf.co slash the Enter the code PartrainHoliday holiday for 20% off out through December 31st. And get yourself a gift that will make someone's day. Hope you guys have a great holiday season and let's get you back to the show.
2: You know, you were talking about you being the extroverted coach, working with the introverted player, right? Telling them something, and then they're internalizing it and there's that silence, and you're like, oh, right. You had a hard figure had to figure out how to deal with that. I mean, I've had that on the other end, right? Where I'm the student. I've gotten more of the introverted coach. And for three or four minutes, he's not saying anything, right? But I had to learn that there's a there's a strength to that too. Because just saying something to have your student feel like they're you know there's an there's an engagement isn't always that great. He's actually thinking about what he's saying for me that day and and how to learn. So I think that's kind of interesting. I think that the player coach relationship is so key in getting to know each other because you're always tweaking your communication style
0: well, and, and that's that's the fascinating thing with this too. so I mean the the link to this in performance is is Just again, fascinating to me, but like there's that caddy player, there's the student coach. Um, One of the biggest ones is parent kid. Um, Had a lot of um, interactions with parents because they just sometimes can't understand why their kid's doing something a certain way. And I really appreciate this one day. I I had a kid and I didn't really work with them that much, just one or two conversations, but they went through our online programs and his dad just called and it's like, I gotta tell you, I'm the problem. He's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm Hard giving him, him just, yeah, and I like, I appreciate him. He's like, I just, I'm being very honest. I'm the problem here. I was giving him all this information. I mean, he was coming at him in a very Bryson data-driven way, and this kid's a wired like me, an ENFP, you know, where he's wired to see more ball flights and bigger zones. And he's like, I'm out there with with Amy sticks, everything's got to be precise. He's like, I literally did everything the opposite of what he should be doing, and I would get frustrated when he would, buck, you know, buck me. Yeah. And I just I thought that was a really, really powerful conversation, because like I said, I was like, well, that's, it's not really I don't blame you because that's just what you thought was right. And I mean, I don't blame anybody because, I mean, before a few years ago, I didn't I didn't know a lot of this stuff. And I was probably steering a few people in the wrong direction. And when if I would lose a student, I wouldn't understand it because I thought I was doing everything so right. But I right. go back and be like, whoa, you know, I might have been just speaking a little different language. I mean, so I'm I'm you know, again, I'm an ENFP So I don't like lines on the ball. I like shapes of shots. Like I'm kind of like a Bubba Watson type. Like my mindset is get over the ball and start left and fade in. Like that's how I've always worked on technique, positions and stuff like that always hurt me. Like, even though I can still work on my swing, but like when I get into the technical side, like it's it's always bogs me down. So I thought that was right for everybody. So the players would come in and they'd be, you know, hey, is my takeaway in the right spot? They might need that comfort. But I'm like, stop worrying about that darn takeaway. Just just right. play golf, you know, like swing the thing. And again, it just wasn't good for a lot of people. And I'd be like, well, you're looking good. You're looking freed up out here. But they couldn't do it. Their mind like was so stressed of like just not having that comfort in the details that it's right. I mean, you look at like a Xander Shossley. Dude doesn't look at the target. But for one second over the 10 seconds of that, it, he's rehearsing his takeaway. Like right. you can't tell me that dude's just getting up there and going, oh, I'm going to look at the target react.
2: You said something really important. You're de- you're describing how you find comfort on the golf course mm-hmm. and extroverted personality like to talk. Right. Mm-hmm. But as you know, you're going to play in groups where people don't want to talk. And that's right. not just, I played in college, I played college golf, not just serious college golf. That can be you getting paired up with three guys out at your local muni, and they're just not talkers. So whatever. And I talk about for our listeners is like, you got to find comfort. Right. So You know, maybe that's, you know, playing a good playlist, right. Or, you know, it's entertaining yourself or distracting yourself in between shots. You know, Lee Trevino, I mean, he talked to nobody even wanted to hear him, but that that gave him comfort that relaxed him. So Mm -hmm. I think for our listeners, if you can't talk to anybody, there are other things to keep yourself kind of distracted and and essentially, you know, tension free as much as we can.
0: Well, and what you just said is, is important. And this is really the secret. Performance gets broken down by stress, and that doesn't just necessarily mean like anxiety or anything. It could just be like your mind overworking a little bit, and it just it just sends enough cortisol tension whatever through the body to slow things down. But if we get to a point where you're uncomfortable and you feel of some sort of threat, just it could even be of a bad shot, anticipation of a bad shot. These things run through our body that are always going to inhibit your rational decision making and your comfort levels and your ability to do what you do. So like the whole swing breaks down under pressure thing is in my opinion, a fallacy. It's like what we're thinking about breaks it down. But like you said, it's not the same for everybody. So that, that recognition and awareness of what goes on with you. So, and again, to give you an example of that difference, like take a roller coaster, for example, like the biggest, baddest, scariest roller coaster you've ever seen. You got one person that's looking at it and it's terrified. You got the other person's looking at it and it's excited. So it's the same thing, right? The, the shot on a golf course is the same thing. It's, the look of it might be terrifying one person and making the other person feel great. You know, thinking about a position in the swing might be stressing one person out and not the other. But again, like you said, what's, what's so powerful is when you are aware of these things and you can make those shifts. So again, with like this girl that I was caddying for, just, just making that shift because it's very predictably when she had that triple, she got very internal got very frustrated i can see her processing stuff so just i i told her it's stupid like justin bieber joke made her laugh <laughs> and then we started we just started talking again i just thought that i was like, we're gonna talk all day regardless if it's good or bad you know just, we're, gonna get, to know going. Yeah, we're gonna get to know each other yeah we're gonna get to know each other in this yep five and a half hours of whatever women's golf takes unfortunately but, yeah right um and actually with that with the playoff i think we're out there for seven hours so it's like we're we're gonna get to know each other because we're just gonna keep talking, you know. Let's just talk about dumb stuff, let's talk about fun stuff, you know, life, whatever. And then when we get to the shot, we'll go through your decision making and we'll hit it the best you can. Um, but that that stuff's really, really important. But yeah. again, going back to like it's not like a magic pill. We when we have these things, we still need to like work on these toolboxes, we still need to practice in these fashions and tapping into that. But having this blueprint is very, very powerful. And just getting emails from you know, players, amateurs, every, every level. And just saying, they just took these concepts from the courses and applied them and they just are seeing massive mass results is, is really, really special to us.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny, sir. Uh, Ryan, our mutual best friend is my member guest partner. This past year, we both got, we're both extroverts. I would assume Ryan's an expert. Uh, we both got quiet in the cart. And uh, we've been used to the previous two member guests, we made the horse race and we were kind of used to like winning a couple big matches. And luckily we did that early. It kind of gave us momentum through the rest of the, the tournament where this past year, we were in pillow fights the whole weekend. And it was just a grind, right? We were never ahead. We were never far behind, but we were both getting pretty down because um, we weren't making any progress. And now that we're talking about this, I bet you the quiet in the cart really had a, a, a paramount impact on our ability to perform because you know, we might misinterpret that, right? We're, we're frustrated with each other when, when more likely than not, we're probably frustrated with our own shot that we hit, right? Or frustrated with the fact that we're not farther ahead. But you internalize that and suddenly you think you're letting your partner down and that's really hard to play with, right? So that's interesting,
0: but- I'm sorry, I want to jump in because like yeah. you said though, like think about as an extrovert, though, when you start getting internal, those thoughts probably start getting pretty negative. Like you yeah. said, I for started sure. letting my partner down. So when we start using these other facets that are not dominant for us, it's usually or, or inferior, it's usually in a negative light. You know, so again, extroverts when they get internal, it's not that you're internal; it's the stuff that you're talking about. I'll probably let my partner down. What am I doing out here? I can't believe we're losing this thing. You know, so these these narratives start to pop up, and again, it gets to that point where you know we're inducing, you know, adrenaline, attention, cortisol, all these things. Again, it just don't help you get up there with a clear mind and and do what you need to do. Yeah. And then part two of that is you know, you're the sensing intuition one's fascinating because that's essentially how we're holding our focus over the ball. You know, there's what we call uh, our focus line. So there's two ways of focusing. There's player side focus and target side focus. So player side focus is somebody who's really good with a narrow aim small, miss small. And they are kind of more of a linear, like if I get my takeaway here, then I'll hit it over my intermediate target and it'll be there. So they kind of focus more on an internal thing or a player thing that they do. Could be tempo, could be whatever. Just what can they do calmly to know that they're going to strike that ball in that direction and hit it? Where intuitives are more of like, okay, I'm going to start this ball to left fade it, and then they work backwards. to this is what the practice swing to do it, and then like fade it. So take Dustin Johnson, right? I just aim left and fade it. <laughs> right. Where you again, you see some of the other guys like the Sanders, Justin Rose, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler. Um, you see a lot of those guys all have this meticulous rehearsal they do before they swing and they essentially don't look at the target much again but you look at traditional sports psychology everything is look at target react you know look at the target react and again most people can't do that because they don't have a sense of control where now if you flip that like intuitives when they start getting stressed out they start losing kind of the idea of like what do i want to create what's the shot here you know they're good to like bigger zones but like What's the shot I'm going to hit? And when they have that focus, they can execute because they know how to do that. So I, I know I'm going to swing a little different if I'm going to fade it or draw it or if I'm going to trap it and hit it low. But that's like what's in my mind. just Hit it low and trap it. So my body moves based off that picture I'm giving it. Right. Where,
2: Kyle, Kyle, would you yeah. say, at least for me, first thought, when I'm thinking correctly, what's my target? That's first. Mm-hmm. And then what's my, what's my move slash what's my feel? Two, and then do it. Commit to it. Is that well, like for at least yeah, for so, some, some well, of the people we're talking about?
0: Yeah, yeah, So, I mean, essentially our decision-making process is always number one, right? So if we break down a shot process, we, we break it down in like what we'll call a reverse traffic light. So I'm a red zone where I'm making my decision. Here's my target. But the thing is, is not everybody sees the target in the same way. Right. Some people are the aim small, miss small. Some people are seeing a much bigger zone. Like I train a lot of my intuitive players with like field goals. Um, I'll put like two poles out there and have them work it in that zone because bigger zones make them feel more comfortable. Yeah. So like give you, give you an example, there's a kind of a famous Jack Nicholas story. One of his old coaches a long time ago, Jack was struggling a little bit. And the coach didn't say anything. He just said, um, you know, go to the ocean, hit a bunch of balls and, or hit five balls in the ocean and come back and tell me. And he goes, what happened? And he says, well, I striped them all." He goes, well, why do you think that is? He goes, there was nothing that could go wrong. So having this big open view, just let him get up there and rip it. That big open view stresses some people out. There's too much that can happen. Right. So take like Jordan Spieth, for example, like when he starts to get off, his language is always the same. I don't know where the ball's going. So he starts to get like more than his normal looks. And you can see him get fidgety over it, but like you can tell he just he doesn't know where the ball's going. So he's looking at bunkers, he's looking at trees, like he doesn't have that narrow focus that he's really good with. I mean, he's the dude that really coined aims all this small. Right. You know, and Jason Day was the same thing. Like I aim at a little spot at a tree out there. And then he would actually close his eyes because he was seeing too much that was stressing him out. So once he would get that clear, just narrow focus, he could go execute that. If you do that to me, like that ball's going in probably three fairways over. Like, I can't do that. I start feeling very tense, very robotic, um, very uncomfortable. But if you tell me to step up there and just start a laugh of faded, I'll do it all day. I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter. But I always feel... struggle
2: with the intermediate spot and for like, you mm-hmm. know, two feet in front of the ball. That was what, try this. Many do that. But I don't, Ev, I don't know if you've ever worked with that, especially when yeah. you're trying to figure out your alignment. But I always struggled with that right in front of the ball on the ground.
1: Intuitives can't do it, dude. You're an ENFP, aren't you? Well, actually, so let's talk about what we are. Because I'm an ENFP. Cermac is an ESFP.
0: Gotcha.
1: Um, And it's really interesting. So that means just to make sure people are clear what that means. I'm an extroverted, intuitive, feeler, perceiver. Mm -hmm. Cermac is an extroverted, sensor, feeler, perceiver. So just Mm -hmm. for people to know... We were just talking about sensing versus intuitives. Cermak is more likely to do, he focuses more, it says here, focus on the facts, details, apply common sense, past experience to come up with practical solutions to problems. I'm more likely to prefer to focus on possibilities and big picture, easily see patterns, value innovation, and see creative solutions to problems, which is funny, Cermak, because yeah. sometimes we go back and forth in like show strategy, outline strategy, where the par train's going. And I think it's probably this category, which is the one category we're different that we probably get tripped up the most.
2: Yeah, yeah. In the past experience, I think it's interesting too, where, and Kyle, you gotta jump in here for explaining this, right? I looked at more past experiences. My last round, what did I do right there? What did I do wrong? And I've gotta go figure that out for my next round where Evan may lean on that a little bit less less, and get a little more creative in the moment in that round to kind of dictate the outcome. Is that that's, kind of... That's very well
0: said. Yeah. So yeah. intuitives, um, the past usually is, is negative. So like, for example, the intuitive player is the one that's like still stuck on a three putt and three holes ago, but they can't let it go. Yeah. Where sensors like you are more likely going to um, if you don't stay to kind of your task or what you do, you're going to more likely start to see doom and gloom in the future. Like if you don't know, like this is what's going to happen, then like, it's not going to work. But right. if you give you the steps to do it, like an instruction manual, if you know, you have the steps to create that or a recipe, you're going to create it. Like, you know, the outcome's going to be there. If that's right. not there. And I just say, create this dude, you're going to be like, well, What? Like, no, it's going to turn out crappy.
2: <laughs> right. I've always prided myself on having a pretty good plan for each round. But mm-hmm. if my plan, and I know it's a, a pretty good plan, isn't working, whether because I'm just not ex- executing, I get awry. Like, you know, like right. I, I have, right. you know, yeah.
0: Well, and again, that's <laughs> where the calm comes from, right? So getting back into, like, what that player side focus is. Like, if you know your takeaway is in a good spot and you'll hit great shots doing that, like, that's where that calm comes from. Hit that takeaway and rip it like all day. Like there's a, there's a really deep calm behind that. Right. Where I know if I can just get up and start a left and fade it, that's great. I don't have to worry about this stuff. My body moves. I can feel everything moving a lot freer. But if I start having to think about where my weight is and if I start to think about like my grip starts to get uncomfortable. I mean, I remember having tournaments where like, I I didn't even feel like I could hold a club right. I'm like, what? I was so in here. Right. It's like, Oh God, this feels terrible. Um, and then again, that started, that was all that stress. And to give you an example, too, with stress, like everybody, everybody's had kind of that breakout round, right? If both of you guys had just shot a round that's just like crazy low for no good reason. Yep. Just out of like yeah. or right? So, but every time we do that, does it not just feel easy? Yep. Yeah. Like every single time that happened, every player I've ever seen have that happen, they're like, that just felt so easy. Why can't I do that all the time? And the, the truth is we're tapping into these things. We just have no idea we're doing it. So I remember I shot a a 66 in a high school tournament one day and then like a 78 the next day. And I just, I I just like, it just blew my mind, right? Like, and that's part of, I think, what set me on this journey and and was able to find John and to learn this stuff because I just, I had to know these
1: answers. Uh, And it wasn't out there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, I had to understand it because I didn't understand it. And I did what everybody else did. I ran to the range and worked on my swing. Right. Like, that's what I thought it was. And it just never made sense to me. Like, how's my swing changing in one day? Like, it just wasn't logical to me. But I remember that one tournament as I was getting up and like every shot, I just could see it clearly. And when I was putting, I think I had like 11 putts on the front nine. I I literally could see like this path to the hole. It wasn't a little line. It was like this whole like roadway was illuminated where I felt like I could get up there with one hand and slap and was going in. Like the ease of that day was was unbelievable. And I think back to like, what was really going on? Well, I played in a group with three other guys that I've played with basically my whole life growing up in junior tournaments we were shooting the crap the whole day. All right. I think I, um, I think I might've had like a, you know, just met a new girl or something. So like, everything was just feeling good. Right. I was chatting I was feeling great. I was seeing shots and like, and there was, and then the next day, you know, I started to, I remember this too, cause I was like, I started hitting it a little bad on the range and I started looking for a swing thought. And essentially that's, that's, that's really- exactly, I could, yeah, that's exactly what it started, what it started to be. And, and it's just, I mean, again, now it's just like,
2: whoa. Like well, the yeah, answer, but, that's but Kyle, walk us through that, right? So, sixty six in the first round, you know, you're in a good position to go win that golf tournament, right? So, mm-hmm. there's that part well, too. You know, to or, be fair though, it
0: was, there were two one day tournaments.
2: Okay, two one day tournaments. Okay. Yeah, so I won. But still, I won the tournament,
0: like, yeah, but like the next day you, was, but just you carried
2: tournament. these expectations to the range, mm-hmm. like, well, shoot, I can go do it again. I can do it, yeah. do it again, right? And then probably, yeah. and that's that makes it a little tough on you though.
0: No, it does. And you're right. And that's why it was so much easier to just shift right into. We'll call my, my stress mode, right, which is essentially my, as an ENFP, our stress mode is what's called an internal critic, or We call it a filing cabinet. Like I just start rehashing mistakes, trying to fix things. Um, so like as soon as I started hitting a couple bad on the range, I mean, I just jumped right into the technique. I was trying all these different things to fix my swing. I was looking for the swing thought of the day. And I just got so far away from just hitting, you know, back then I was hitting draws. I knew I could step up and draw the ball any day of the week, no matter how bad I was hitting it. But when I would just get away from it and I just start getting into like, is my takeaway wide enough? Is my stance in the right spot? Is my grip in the right spot? Like, I just, I would tank like every single time. But as you said, expectations go up, stress goes up a little bit. It was really easy for me to shift into that mode, especially because I had no idea.
1: So this is really important. And this is something I've struggled with for my whole life. And Sermon and I talk about it on the show a lot, which is, finding the balance of what I do really well and what my thing is, right? Again, I'm an ENFP like you, Kyle, versus what things are the bad habits that get me into trouble that I naturally do that isn't helping me, right? Because like you, Kyle, I, and this is, I think, where I'm probably on the border, right? I'm sure there's ranges of each category mm-hmm. and I bet you censor and intuitive I can, I can flex, right? Like you said, it's dominant and non-dominant. But yeah, I play my best it, yeah. rounds with having one thought, one swing thought, and all I need to do is execute that because it's an executional key for me. And I don't think about the trouble. or I, I acknowledge it, but I'm not worried about it. And I know that as long as I do that one thing, I'm going to be okay. And I play a whole mm-hmm. round like that. I shot a 74 like that to two months ago, and I was playing bad all around that day, and suddenly I shoot a 74, right? And so, you know, I work with Jake Thurm, who you may know, um, Mm -hmm. and I'm working on things with him about, you know, getting it more less inside, less rolling, less behind me, less wrapped around, but I played baseball uh, my whole life, and, you know, like you said, Kyle, let me bring it back to this. I'm playing around, right? and I've got my key that was working on the range, that's what I'm gonna go with that day, that gives me comfort. Maybe it's a little chillier that morning, I'm just stiff, I'm just not feeling right, it's not working. Well, that day, instead of trying to like, keep trying to do that all day and not getting a result, I was just like, I'm just gonna like, swing free. And I guarantee you, my swing free is i probably took it inside wrapped it around more but it was probably a little bit more free and i started striping the ball with my baby draw now Mm -hmm. my enfp personality thinks to myself well then why wouldn't i just do that every time right so it's constantly trying to figure out like what is the part of my authenticity and my natural ability do i stick with Versus what is the part that gets me into trouble that leads to big misses both ways that I need to fix? And the takeaway is a big I've I've I change my takeaway all the time. Like Mm -hmm. all the time. And so I think that's a big thing for probably a lot of people is like, what do I improve? What do I keep? You know, it's a Mm -hmm. tough balance.
0: Well, there's a couple of things to that. So so number one, I mean, we still have to work on our swings. You know, yeah. if your swing's jacked up, like and you think a certain way, it's still probably not gonna help. You right. know, it's just like the swing's jacked up. So but how we work on the swing as an intuitive or a sensor is important too. So for example, like you're always working on your takeaway. Well, if you know, if you have to you're a baseball player, right? If you have to pull a ball, how would you do that?
1: I would just try and pull it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, yeah.
0: you know, so for example, now, if you had to get up there, and it's just a speculation, I don't know your swing or anything like that. But yeah. if you had to just hit a ball that starts left target, I mean, how would you do that? Like, would that help you change the takeaway to get it more out in front of you or, you know, whatever you're doing? But like, again, that kind of way of thinking tends to make a little more sense to an intuitive where, you know, a sensor mat might be a little better with, you know, positional stuff. Again, like you said, it's not exact. Like it's not just every sensor is like this, everybody's like that. So like, it's kind of a broad generality. Yeah. And when you learn your own stuff, that's what it does. So because now all of a sudden you have the comfort, you know your swing's in the right spot. Now you can swing free. Now you're at your utmost optimal. Like yeah. we can do well with a little bit of stress. We can do well as intuitive. I played well with swing thoughts. Um. But again, there's still a, l- a little bit of that activity where it's just not giving us the most like zone-like state, and that's what we're searching for. how do i get into that zone state and that starts with again do you have pure trust in and what you're doing and what you can hit that shot you know can you get up there hit your baby draw and you know your moves in a spot where you can just rip it and go if you don't we call it conscious control like kind of conscious override like you can have that swing thought you can use a little more of that conscious activity and still be okay and when it gets too much though that's what's going to cause issues like when you get really in the you know frontal part of your mind and to start really consciously thinking about the movement again it's like trying to drive your car and think about your feet hitting the pedals you know it's yeah. going to be much much harder to do so you can do okay but the kind of the you know the holy grail i guess we'll call it in that zone state is that relaxed state of awareness where can i just get up there be free you know see this draw i'm gonna talk it out i'm gonna hit the i'm gonna start at those trees and draw it i'm gonna get up there and rip it and like yeah. i said dude it's spooky when you actually say that and then you get up there and just keep drawing your mind like and watch what happens, like it's freaky. I do it to myself all day. I'm like, gosh, dang it, man. How is, like, why does it do that? Why does it go yeah. there?
1: Yeah, ripping um, it. Ripping it's a big thing for me. I've noticed mm-hmm. that it's obviously it's a, they play off each other, right? You start to feel more confident. It's easier to go up and rip it, whereas when you start struggling, you want to dial it back. I know Mark Immelman talked about that with you, but the, I've also done it the opposite way where I've acknowledged that I have stress about a situation, but I know that that doesn't serve me and I'm just gonna go up and rip it and wherever it goes, it goes. And usually it's better than me trying to lay back. Really quick, I know. I think we could go honestly like three more hours. Um, so I'm sure we're gonna go, a li- I know we're gonna go a little bit over with this, but I wanna tell a quick story, Kyle, cause I think this is really important. I wanna get your take on it. Um, and then maybe we'll end CERM with a couple of the scenarios. We talked about and get Kyle's take on how you would coach a, you know, a thinker versus a feeler or a judge versus a perceiver based on those. But quick story, like I said at the beginning, I led a training session years ago when I was at Uber. It was me and someone on the people development team. And it was the marketing strategy team, the program managers, and the creative team. And there's always tension amongst those three groups, or at least there was. Um, because we're all doing different things, but we're all working towards the same goal, and we're all wired differently. And um, we thought that a personality assessment would be really helpful to help us build empathy and understand how to work better together. It was a collaboration um, session, right? And the guy that co-led the session with me told a really intimate, interesting story. He said when he learned about this stuff, now this was a different assessment, it was called SDI. It's more about motivations in addition to personality, but it's very similar concepts, right? You're either people-focused, performance-focused, or process-focused, or you can be combinations, right? And I was either a combination of performance and people, or I was a hub. I've taken it a few times. And so I'm, I have a lot of those different things, but the, the key thing for me is I don't have green or analytical or process-driven. I like, that's where my ENFP comes, right? I like being driven by people and intuition and feeling versus data and analytics. So long story short, the guy that told the story where he almost got a divorce with his wife, and the reason they almost got a divorce was because he was people-focused, she was process-focused. So what was creating a lot of tension was she saw his behavior as not caring. Because he wasn't willing to plan. He wasn't planning ahead. He was very spontaneous. He saw her behavior as over planning, as controlling and not accepting of of his spontaneity, not wanting to be spontaneous. Right. Well, the amazing thing happened. They both took the assessment and he realized, holy cow, she's not just like out to get me or not seeing me for who I am. We're wired differently. Right. And so one day, he did something different. He said, "I want some spontaneous in my weekend, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pre-plan the chores first thing in the morning, get those out of the way, so I leave room for spontaneous activity in the afternoon." Right? And she was like blown away that he took the effort to plan, right? And she did something very similar, where she um, offered to not do anything you know, to plan. And he saw that as like, Oh my God. Right. And so why I bring this up, Kyle is because it's a fine balance. You don't necessarily want to change for people, right? You're going to be who you are, but when you understand how people are wired, it makes it less personal. This person's out to get me or doesn't understand me. And it's more about I can empathize with how they're wired and then I can shift the way that I communicate with them in a way that they understand. Another example, Kyle, is I used to get frustrated at Uber that people would always ask me, what's my data-driven plan or my step-by-step process to make sure that we're gonna achieve this goal? Where it's like, I just wanted to do the plan because I knew it was better for the people, right? It's a no-brainer for the people. Now, I can still end my pitch with, and it's great for everyone involved, but for talking to someone that's process-driven, I need to start with, okay, so here's my plan. Right. Here's how I'm going to go about it. Here are the steps, and we should all feel good about doing it because it's going to elevate our customers' experience and the the driver or the rider. Right. So, why I think this stuff is so powerful is because it not, it can not only help you in your golf game, but it can help every relationship in your life. It saved a marriage, and it can also help you immensely in your career. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to share that because I think it's really powerful stuff.
0: Yeah, I think awesome. it's a wonderful story. Yeah. Um, and you're, and you're right. I mean, so, and that's the thing too, right? Is there's another piece to this, like we could probably go a lot deeper in this, but we call it player envy. You know, of of people trying to copy what everybody else is doing, me trying to copy Tiger was right. So it's, it's, and it's hard not to, right. If you see somebody thriving, it's like, Whoa, what are they doing? You know, what level of training are they doing? And, and they can go down a road. That's not good for them. We see it on the professional level all the time. So like you said, that, that piece is beautiful of understanding people and and thinking on their level. I had to really learn that with like STJs because again, they're just like, um, blunt (laughs) to put it the least. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and I was always somebody who's more of the, like you said, the relationship nurturer and, and, you know, I want to make sure everybody's feeling good. Uh, so when somebody just kind of just bluntly is like, this isn't working now what? I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you yeah. know, I had to, I had to get really accustomed to that. And, you know, there's things I learned to do before I was fortunate to meet John, where, you know, I finally started learning and some of it was out of frustration, but I started kind of just snapping back at people. And I remember this one time I lit into this kid like so bad. And I was, I just fully accepted as I went on this rant that he was going to fire me. Um, you know, it's just kind of the way he was. And I just lit him up. I mean, every cuss word you could give in the book big baby like he's spoiled like, um and he's like wow i need to hear that thanks It's like oh what in the world just right yeah so that that's interesting but again just being on that level but and that's still something i'm not like terribly comfortable with like it being super hard on people but like some people really need that you know some of the like because i again i work with a lot of youth and i work with you know people trying to play professionally professionals so there's people where I really like, especially those T's and the TJs. Like I got to get into them a little bit and really be kind of blunt with them. Um, and I'm not always terribly comfortable doing that, but then you see the response, and it's like, got it. I'm like, gosh, like someone like me would just give you the middle finger and <laughs> walk away.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's pretty amazing how <laughs> it's commendable too how much time you spend thinking about your players' personalities, human traits, human qualities. Because there's a lot of great coaches out there, but they're more great teachers or they're really great coaches. So it's, it's, it's really cool, Kyle.
0: I appreciate that. I mean, that's it's, my, my thing is, and I don't know if this sounds corny, but from day one, I just, when I, when I first went to Chicago, I started teaching and charging a rate that I wasn't terribly comfortable charging. Like it was a lot of money from what I was used to being back in a smaller town in Michigan. And I just was like, man, if I'm charging people 100 and then it was 125 and it was 150, if I'm pe- charging people like this, like it's got to be just straight fire. Like it's got to be the yeah. best out there. Like I cannot let people down. Like I just always had this chip on my shoulder. Like I cannot give a bad lesson. Like I refuse to do it. If I give a bad lesson, I'm going to learn exactly what could be better and do it. And that's just why I've always been on this journey. Cause I mean, if people are trusting me with their money, they trust me with their kids, they trust me with their game. Like I don't take that lightly, man. And I've, and I've, I hate to say this, but I've seen coaches that just will stand there, take money and be yeah. fine with whatever. Even if their students are performing, I just, I couldn't handle that. Like, I could have 20 students go win a tournament. And one person has a bad day and that stuff rips me up. Like I don't like yeah. to admit it, but it's just like, gosh, dang. Yeah. that's the, the wormhole I go down. It's like, what could be better? I'm not like celebrating these other ones. I'm like, good job. But I'm like, what's going on with this player? Like, where are we yeah. at? Like, what do we need to be better? So that's just, it's always where my head's been at. It's always where my mind's been at. I mean, this is a game that can be frustrating as hell. Uh, and I've been through all the ups and downs. So I you know, I want to help as many people just enjoy it. And that's why I love what you guys are doing so much is that that focus on enjoyment uh, is really powerful, even on the competitive level, when it's super competitive, just to love that competition uh, is a beautiful thing. So that's, that's kind of where I've always been at.
2: Love it.
1: Well, let's end with this, Kyle. Um, we've talked a lot about extrovert versus introvert, sensors versus intuitives. We've got a few scenarios of things that, you know, we have listeners call in and share their challenges. We do mental game roundtables with everyday golfers. We do it with PJ Tour pros, right? And there's common themes of things that people struggle with. So let's go into thinkers versus feelers, judges versus perceivers. Then we'll get you out of here. And I'm going to give you a few scenarios. You tell me how you would think about helping that player differently. And we'll start with thinker versus feeler. So the scenario will be. They're playing great, right? But you get to hole 15 with a chance to do something great. Either win a tournament, shoot your lowest score, and they blow up, right? How would you think about teaching a thinker versus a feeler? Anything you would do differently?
0: Quite a bit different, actually. So a thinker, I'm going to try to keep them very grounded in the FedEx. Trying to really make sure you have just good information on your shot and you're making very rational decisions. Um, Cause that's where thinkers are really at their best. Like when they just know the percentages or the data matches up, it's the right thing to do. They can build a lot of confidence in that. So with a thinker, I'm just going to keep them grounded in that moment, grounded in the facts um, and make sure they have that time. You know, what's what's the exact things you like to take in It's so a wind yardage, carry distance, you know, whatever, let's go through that. Let's be very meticulous with that. What's the right play here. What's the smart play to do. Um, so I'm kind of using language like that, like smart play. the logical choice here and can you execute no matter what with a feeler i'm gonna probably get them a little more into the emotion of it and try to because a feeler is gonna typically um they're gonna get more into that nervous anxiety thing so they could start to focus on the negative connotation of nerves where i might just be like hey you know we can do this, you know, we can win this thing, you know, depending on, you know, again, it's, it's an intuitive sensor. They're going to work a little bit differently, but I want to kind of sure. play to their emotion and get that feeling side of them working for them where it's an excitement and, you know, feeling good about the shot. And then that would kind of be my language of them is what do you feel you can do here? What are you confident you can do? I want them going by their gut. I want them trusting their emotional yeah. intelligence um, because a feeler is going to, um, start to probably overthink shots in those situations. They're going to start taking too much. You know, they might start doing the carry distance and stuff like that, where they are better of just like, you know, that wind feels like it's this, this, this feels like the shot. My adrenaline's pumping. So I might need to club down. Yeah. You know, they just, they're really good when they're trusting what their, their hearts tell them to do. So I'm trying to keep them in the excitement. I'm trying to keep them into let's make a really good decision and just trust that gut, because a good way to think about like what a feeler might do is, you know, they're the ones that will change the answer on a test. And then as they're walking out, they're be like, oh, why did not I just trust my instincts?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Last That's one. Great. Last one. And then we'll get out of here. Um, Sir, you want to do OB right off the tee or short putt to win a hole?
2: I would, I would, yeah, I would say, I, I would say short putt, you know, that matters. Okay.
1: okay. So let's yeah. say, you're in match play or it's a skins game and it's to have a hole or it's to win some money, right? Um, there's pressure and it's a short putt and everyone's watching. What would you tell? Uh, let's say this person struggles with these moments. What would you tell a jugger versus a perceiver?
0: Well that, so that side is a little more of like how they're game plan in their course. So in that sense, I'm just, you know, if it was purely that function, I'm just gonna tell a judge to stick to your process, do what you prepared to do, don't teeter off of anything, just follow your plan, follow your structure, you know, make sure. And again, this is where defining your process comes in huge. Sure. Um, and be honest, a perceiver, I'm doing the same thing. Don't let your mind wander because that's that's where that can be harmful as a perceiver, as our minds tend to like to wander around a little bit, and we're a little more unorganized, so the routine might change. Mm -hmm. the process might change but i'm just like hey can you get in there can you give me your good you know uh, whatever your focus line is are you good with the player side or target side are you seeing your shot in the right spot um so that situation i would allude probably back more to like sensing and intuition and just following your process but you know the judge or perceiver side is going to be a little more about like how players structure their practice plans um you know how they're game planning golf courses and and things like that
1: Got it. Well, I would highly recommend everybody to go to mentalgolftype.com, take the free assessment yourself and start DMing us, tweeting us. And we can start having a fun dialogue of like how you're using it, how you're changing your routine, how you're changing the way that you think out there. And I think it's a fun, everything we try and do, Kyle, we try and treat it as like fun, experimental stuff go out there and see how it works bring back the data use this as a feedback loop right and so i thank you kyle for coming on also at mental underscore golf underscore type on instagram um anything else kyle that we either didn't touch on that you want to say or something that you think is important that you want to leave people with and reiterate
0: yeah just just one thing about the assessment really quick so we do this in two stages as you guys know that we do kind of a golf course version, and then we do a a life verification. And the interesting thing is, and the reason we set it up like this is because we wanted to see if players were having a discrepancy between what they would answer playing golf versus what their true life qualities are. And what's really fascinating, and this is whole truth from almost day one of people taking the assessments, is we're in the mid 90% of people that test differently. So they're testing differently on the golf course than they are what their actual life qualities So what that tells us is people are trying to do things almost everybody on the golf course um, differently than what their life qualities are. And you think about that as an intuitive player, like how many coaches train people as a sensor positions and things like that. Mm. So when you, that's all, you know, of course, that's what you're going to answer on the golf course. If you are used to playing in a, a group that's always quiet or, you know, if you just idolize tiger woods you might answer as an introvert on the golf course because you think that's right so i would just ask people to answer kind of honestly but to really take into account because you'll get kind of your golf course when but then when you do the life verification when you get your final result most everybody sees that that's actually different and it's kind of fun getting those results too because most most people are pretty blown away by how accurate it is um, yeah which is which is pretty fun but yeah, that's, that's an interesting one that I did want to leave with because of just that difference. I mean, I, I could like you said, I could talk for three hours and stories of getting players at just their literal rock bottom and just figuring out how much they're doing things against their, their natural wiring. And, and the cool thing is improvements can happen really fast. Sustaining it takes time and practice. You know, you just got to be kind of constantly aware of it. With mental game stuff, I feel like in, in, in mental golf type stuff, people will be like, okay, I got it. And then you know, like anything, let's go away from it. and stop kind of paying attention to us, stop practicing, it, and then those stress modes can pop in. They struggle a little bit, so it's just like that constant incorporation into practice, or just even if you're just a weekend player, just always being aware of, you know, how to structure your shot process and and do that. And you know, we have programs on our on our website for if anybody wants to go through that stuff and really take a deep dive into it. It's very
1: actionable. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you, Kyle yeah we're pleasure to have you aboard the train and because we went 20 minutes over and i still feel like we didn't scratch the surface maybe we should have you back at some point after we've like put this into play and can talk more tactical stuff but definitely go check out mentalgolftype.com and uh hopefully we'll see you back here soon
0: yeah i appreciate it guys keep up what you're doing the show's fantastic i love it i listen all the time
1: and um yeah keep it going Appreciate Appreciate it. it. (laughs) Thanks Kyle.
2: Thanks Kyle.